Amen. Well, our theme for this weekend has been all the praise. And on the screens, you'll see that below our 88th anniversary insignia there. And uh, we've been trying all weekend to give God all the praise and all the glory for all the great things He has done, both in our church and in our lives. So what, at the end of the service tonight, Ensemble, we're going to have you sing that song, All the Praise, to close our service, to close our weekend. But right now, we're going to have Pastor Dave Kofflesh come. Brother Kofflesh, a big part of our church for a lot of years, has been a real blessing to us this weekend. And let's give him your attention, open up your Bibles as we come to the Word of God. Thanks, preacher. I thought already, it's my turn <laughs> to get up. What a blessing. What a blessing. I'd like to start by just saying I really enjoyed and appreciated that Remembrance Day service at the beginning. And hearing the testimonies of those men who have served in the military, that was a blessing to me. Remembrance Day is always something special to me. Both of my grandfathers served in World War II. One of them, my mother's dad, was a tank driver and was involved in a lot in the liberation of Holland. He came home from the war. My father's father, so my grandfather on my dad's side, did not. He was killed in action in Italy in 1943. And so my dad grew up never knowing his real dad because he was just a little baby when, when his father was killed. Interesting story, several years ago, when our oldest son Nathaniel was in high school, I think he was in grade 12, my grandmother, who was 96 or 97 at the time, took Nathaniel, so her great-grandson, on a trip over to Italy <laughs> to see, and it was a tour, and they, they visited a lot of the war cemeteries and that, and followed the path of the Canadian troops as they made their way through Italy during World War II. And on Remembrance Day, they were in the cemetery where my grandfather was buried. So just, just a neat story, just a blessing. I have my grandfather's medals at home, and just a precious keepsake. And we should never, ever, and, and you young people here tonight, I encourage you, never take your freedom for granted. People have fought and died so that we could stand up here tonight and have a service, so that we could have freedom of religion in our country, so that we could have freedom to worship God and continue to preach the gospel and freedom to live our lives and enjoy these things that we have. And we should never, ever take that for granted that, though those have, that there's been those that have given the greatest sacrifice their own lives. As Christ said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But we think how much more of the spiritual battle that we are in. As Brother Stone mentioned, good to see you tonight, brother, and your wife. <laughs> and the spiritual battle that we are in, and we need to take out the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to thank a number of people. Of course, first of all, Pastor Fury. And uh, his wife, uh, their hospitality, enjoyed a great meal with them last night before the service and just for the invitation to come. I know during COVID it's difficult, uh, you know, getting preachers in. And he said to me, Brother Callflesh, it's great having you here. It's like a holiday. It's like a vacation. You're our, you are our last resort. And it's like, <laughs> it's teasing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's great to, uh, I wanted to thank also the, the Vogels. They had us over at their house last night and had a good time of fellowship with them and for their hospitality and putting us up for the evening and for the night. And the Bakers, to Calvin and Amanda, we got to spend the afternoon with them and went out for lunch and had some time over at their house. It's good to, was good to revisit and catch up with them. And I told the young people last night, if you see me after the service, I've got lots of stories on Calvin, but he's got a lot on me too. So I just, maybe we'll just drop that idea. And uh, it's wonderful to see these young people 
now grown up serving the Lord in the church here on the platform and noticed Calvin, Cindy, Austin. I remember one of the first years that I was here, it may have been the very first year we were here, Austin was in kindergarten and uh, I had to substitute. Our kindergarten teacher had to go somewhere for an appointment or something. So I stepped into the class as the principal of the school. I'm not cut out to be a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> Let me just say that right now. So I'm glad I didn't have to do that very, very often. Once again, I would like to uh, introduce my wife. I'll just, well, I won't make her stand tonight. Just wave, if you would, Lori. She's there. Good to have her with us. And I've been talking a lot about our, our family. And I did we get that picture? We have a grand. There he is. That's our grandson, Mason. What a joy. What a joy it is to be a grandfather. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> you can spoil them and then send them home. Let mom and dad take care of them after that. So he's a, he's a joy. What a blessing. And... Uh, Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and open to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. What powerful truth that is. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Where would we be without the gospel? Where would we be without our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And as we sung tonight, we, and once again, I want to thank the, the ensemble for their singing and those involved in the music ministry here, and I just appreciate how your music lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ and glorifies Him. The thing about Jesus Christ and the gospel and that's the answer for our world, isn't it? Our world needs the gospel. And how each of us needs to take up, up a part in, in getting out the gospel. I remember when this wasn't part of the message, it's something I wanted to share. I remember 12 years ago when we announced our resignation. And stood, excuse me, excuse me, stood here at the front for probably an hour after the service, shaking hands, hugging, crying with people as we said goodbye. We loved it here at Bethel Baptist Church and appreciated you folks. <clears throat> but you know, it was time for us to move on. And the Lord led us on to Newmarket. And I love our church, our little church. Let me tell you a little bit about a couple of people about what the first or second Sunday in January, man stumbled into our church. You could tell he had had some issues in his life and challenges, difficulties. I preached the message when I gave the invitation. He almost ran to the altar, stepped up on the platform, was down on his knees praying. I found out later that he had already trusted Christ as his Savior, but that was the very first time he had ever been inside a church building in his life. And Kevin had been a heroin addict for 20 years, and God delivered him from that. He was living with a lady, and a few weeks ago, and talking to her and, and made sure that she is saved and trusted Christ as well. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of doing their wedding, because they knew that after they'd gotten saved, we need to stop living together, we need to get married. And so they did. And next week, Lord willing, we're going to baptize them. Amen. That's the gospel. 
of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel does, doesn't it? Changes lives. We had another young man that came to our Canada Day picnic in uh, 2019. He wasn't saved. He had been invited by someone in the church. I sat down with him later that week and, and opened the Bible and shared the gospel with him. He didn't get saved right at that time, but later on he did. And he came along and, and the Lord had delivered him from alcohol, from smoking. He faithfully came out week after week. We went through discipleship together. And Patrick is also getting baptized next Sunday. Praise God. And just to see God work. And it's so exciting. I love our church. I love what God is doing and seeing people work. And I would encourage you, we go through sometimes dry times, don't we? We go through times sometimes when we don't see maybe as much happening as what we would like to see. Stick at it. Stay by the stuff. As I said last night, we have a faithful God. But if we drop out and we stop being faithful, we don't get an opportunity to really witness that faithfulness like we could. He is always faithful. He can be nothing else but faithful. But persevere and continue pressing on for the Lord. Let's keep reading here in Mark chapter 1. Verse 2 says, As it is written in the, in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with a camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Of course, he's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the opening verses of the Gospel of Mark. Mark jumps right into the life and ministry of Christ, just after giving a very short introduction. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about the writer of this Gospel, the testimony of John Mark. Our testimony is so important. Our testimony is basically a statement when people have to go to court, sometimes they have to give testimony. So they have to give statement to what they've witnessed or what they've seen or what events have occurred or whatever the case might be. Our testimony is a statement made by our life and by our speech and by our walk that should give a good testimony, a good statement about Jesus Christ. Who is Mark, the one that wrote this gospel? If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 12, a little bit of background about him. In Acts chapter 12, and verse 11, we'll start there. Peter had been put in prison by King Herod, and he was going to be executed, but God miraculously delivered him. An angel came in and woke him up from the prison, and the chains fell off, and the door swung open, and Peter left, and he gets out in the street. The Bible says in verse 11, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. He probably thought at first he was just dreaming. And he realizes, no, this is real. I'm actually free. I'm out on the street here. Verse 12 says, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. 
This is the first time we're introduced to Mark, or John Mark, as he's called. John was his first name. Mark was his surname. And he had a mother named Mary. Now, there's several Marys in the New Testament. But this lady must have been quite wealthy, for her home was large enough to gather many people in it to pray. John Mark was a Jew who lived in Jerusalem. He was not one of the 12 disciples, but he obviously was a believer in Jesus Christ. Now let's go to Acts chapter 12 and continue on and see a little bit more about him. We see the company that John Mark kept, his company. Verse 25 says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. This is now the second time that he's mentioned in the Bible. Barnabas and Paul had come to to Jerusalem from the church in Antioch, which is north in Syria, to deliver a love offering for the relief of the Christians in Judea. And when they came, went back to Antioch, they brought along John Mark with them. He was a relative of Barnabas's, a cousin or a nephew. When we see John Mark in the scriptures, we see him around other believers. The company that we keep, folks, is important, isn't it? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Your companions will have an influence on you. Someone said that you'll be who you are in 10 years other than the books you read and the company that you keep. David said in Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 20, we read this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In Proverbs 28, 7, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. But John Mark, we see him in the company of godly people. We see him in the company of Barnabas and Saul, or otherwise known as Paul. If you hold your place in the book of Acts, because we're going to come back here, go with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. The testimony of John Mark, when we see his company... He was someone that was around godly people. Colossians chapter 4. Starting in verse 7, as Paul closed out the book of Colossians, he's sending greetings and salutations and mentioning some of his co-workers by name here. And he says in verse 7, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. How would you like a name like that? Tychicus Declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, that's John Mark, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, Touching whom ye received commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. There he is again, mentioned with the Apostle Paul and several other servants of the Lord. If we were to turn to the book of Philemon, we won't there, but we would see him mentioned again in the greetings in the end of the book of Philemon in chapter 24 as one of Paul's fellow laborers. I'm not saying that we should never be around unsaved people. We obviously need to rub shoulders with them. Jesus sat down with sinners and had meals with them to try to win them. But who is our company? 
Who is our closest companions? Who are those that we are the nearest and the dearest to? John Mark was around godly people, and they had an influence on him for good. The second thing we see about John Mark is his service. If you'd go back with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 now, we see secondly his service. The service of John Mark. The first point of his testimony was that was his company. He was in good company. The second thing we see is his service. Acts chapter 13, verse 1, says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. They had also John to their minister. That's John Mark again. John Mark went along with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. We see his service He was getting involved in the ministry. He was serving. He was there as a helper, an assistant for Barnabas and Paul. I mentioned in the message this morning about the local church and how God wants to use the church in our lives to bring us unto maturity in Christ. Remember there in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about that which every joint supplieth. And that's all of us. You need the local church in your life. The local church needs you. We all have a part to play. We all have something we need to do. We all need to get involved. We see John Mark as a man involved in service. But we see something else. If we were to continue in Acts chapter 13, we see his shortcoming. And this incident is probably the thing that John Mark is most infamously known for. While on this missionary journey with Barnabas and Paul, For whatever reason, we don't know why, the Bible doesn't tell us, John Mark turned around and went home. Acts chapter 13 says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. He left. He quit. He went back home to Jerusalem. Why? We don't know. Maybe he got discouraged. Maybe he got homesick. Maybe he was a fearful. Maybe he was a little bit jealous. He was Barnabas's nephew, and yet as you read through the book of Acts, you see that when the missionary journeys are talked about with Barnabas and Paul, at first it's always Barnabas and Paul. And then later on you'll see it's Paul and Barnabas. As Paul took more and more of the lead, maybe John Mark didn't like that. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, and it doesn't really matter. But he went home. He turned around And he left, and he stopped, and he quit the missionary journey. Well, if you jump ahead to Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, that incident where John Mark decided that I'm not going to carry on anymore ended up causing a contention between Paul and Barnabas. In Acts chapter 15, they had completed their first missionary journey, and they were going to go back out again on their second missionary journey. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again 
and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Paul said, no, we're not taking him again. He quit on us once. We're not going to take him. I don't think it's a good idea. Barnabas says, I want to take him again. We see his shortcoming. Do you ever have a time in your life when you failed at something? When I, before I came here to Dryden, we were up in northern Ontario. and No, this is, this is Simcoe, sorry. Before we were here in Simcoe, <laughs> I was in Dryden in northern Ontario for four years, and working in the Christian school there. And you know how it is. You get out of college. You've got lots of dreams and plans and ambitions. And they hired me to be the, the supervisor in their, in their small uh, Christian school there in the church. And every year that I was there, the Christian school got smaller and smaller till it was down to about five students the last year that we were there. You talk about feeling like a failure. You think you go there someplace to see a school built up. You go there to see it grow and instead it shrinks. And then I felt like a failure. But thank God for second chances. Amen. Thank God for people like Barnabas who came alongside John Mark and encouraged him and took him along. And I'm thankful for the second chance I received to come here to Simcoe and see the Lord bless the ministry here and bless the Christian school here and see God use me in that. I want to tell you folks tonight, failure is not final. And maybe you've messed up somewhere or maybe you've tried something and it just didn't succeed and it didn't go the way you wanted it to and you're tempted to say, well, I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to try again because it didn't work that time. So why should I? No, press on. Keep going. Proverbs 24, 16, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Galatians verses 6, 6 verses 1 and 2. Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. As I said before, thank God for second chances. Thank God for opportunities to carry on in the work. If you've tried something and you've failed at it, don't give up. Don't say, well, I'm not going to serve again. I'm not going to try again. Maybe you've sinned. Maybe you've drifted from the Lord. Come back to him. Confess the sin. Repent. Get it right. Come back to the Lord. The only failure that's final is the failure to die without Christ, is the failure to not receive Christ as your Savior and to die lost. That's the only failure that's final. And it's interesting that eventually we see Paul's relationship with John Mark was restored also. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the last epistle that Paul wrote. Is nearing the end of his life, and he knew it. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. 
We believe that Paul was imprisoned twice. The first imprisonment is described there in the book of Acts, and Acts closes with Paul basically being under house arrest in Rome. And we believe as you study the New Testament, you can kind of fit the pieces together that he must have been released from that imprisonment and then arrested again sometime later, and this time he wasn't released. He was taken out and martyred for Christ. And he says that to Timothy as he writes this letter. He says, I'm ready to be offered the time of my departure. He knew he was not going to be released. He knew that he was going to be giving his life for Christ sometime soon. He says in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then he says this in verse 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He said, Timothy, come see me. I need to see you, Timothy. I want you to come and keep reading. Verse 10, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He said, bring along John Mark. I want you to bring John Mark because he's profitable. He's a help in the ministry. Bring him along. We could also read, we won't turn there, but we could also read in, in the in the. Second Peter, or I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 5, how that Mark was with Peter. And he sends this in First Peter 5, verse 13, the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Paul knew that someone he could count on was John Mark, and so he asked Timothy to bring him along. When we see John Mark with the apostle Peter near the end of Peter's life, getting close to the time when he was going to leave this world. Yes, he had a shortcoming, but he was restored from that, and he went on to fruitful service for the Lord. Folks, the work of God needs John Marks. John Marks. John Mark was not an apostle. John Mark was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was someone who simply came alongside those who were. He came alongside, and he got plugged in doing whatever he could to be used. Not everyone is going to be called to be a pastor or a missionary or in full-time service. We ought to be open to that. And young people, you should be seeking God's will. But if you know that God has not called you to be a pastor, you should say, I want to be a John Mark. I'm going to be a John Mark and I'm going to come alongside the pastor and I'm going to seek to help the pastor and do what I can in the church. That's what the work of God needs. We just need to get busy serving and plugged in wherever we can. Let me tell you about a couple people in our church. We have a man in our church, he's 81 years old, one of the greatest soul winners I know. He sang a special this morning for, our, for us, and he was gonna, he's from Italy. He was going to go back to Italy this summer. He wanted to go back to Italy and spend some time with one of the missionaries that we support there. Gerardo was such a blessing. He's a John Mark. He's just the kind of man that just wants to get involved and do whatever he can. At, at 81 years of age, he wanted to go to Italy on a trip and spend about three months there and help the missionary out. What a blessing. And he's the kind of guy that I've been out soul winning with him before. He, he can just get in a conversation with anybody. He goes to someone's door, and before you know it, that person is telling their life story to him. And he's telling his life story. He loves to talk. And he just opens up and he just shares. He's a John Mark. Tonight, one of our men is preaching in the church, Brother Jim, and what a blessing he is. He helps with the singing, and he's the one taking our service for this evening, preaching for us. That's the kind of people that we need, John Marks. John Mark was a faithful man. Lastly, I want to tell you this. 
Our last point is his privilege. His privilege. We saw his company, his service, his shortcoming, and finally, his privilege. John Mark, even though he was not an apostle, even though he was not one of Christ's 12 disciples, was greatly used by God to write one of the four Gospels. What an honor. What a blessing to do that. And I believe that John Mark had a compassion on those who needed Christ. The Gospel of Mark was written to the Romans. You can see by the style, it doesn't go into Christ's genealogy. It doesn't go into his background. It does not mention his birth. It just jumps right in. And the words straightway and immediately are the words of action are used repeatedly in the Gospel of Mark. Remember, the Romans were the enemy. The Romans were the oppressors of the Jews. And yet John Mark was used by God to write a gospel directed towards the Romans because I believe he had a compassion on those who needed Christ. And it's interesting, John Mark portrayed the Lord Jesus Christ as a servant. That's how he portrayed Christ, as the suffering servant. And he followed that same example himself. He is never mentioned by name in his gospel. There's one possible reference to him in chapter 15. As a young man fleeing from the Garden of Gethsemane, and Bible teachers think that may have been John Mark, but he's never mentioned. He was just a servant. He was content to serve in the background. He was content to be a helper. He was content to just do whatever needed to be done. The work of God needs John Marks. Will you surrender to be a John Mark? Or if you're a lady, maybe a Julie Marcy? (laughs) Will you surrender to be a John Mark? The work of God needs people like you, needs every one of us. The gospel needs to go forth. We don't know how much time we have left before Christ comes again. We live in dark days, don't we? We live in trying times, and we need to continue to give out the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we go into our invitation time. Men, ladies, teenagers, and children too, you can be greatly used by God to serve him just wherever. Get involved. Help. Be a John Mark. Father, thank you for your word this evening. Thank you for the testimony of one of your servants that you used in a capacity to come alongside, to be a minister, to be a helper, and who was greatly privileged to be the writer of one of the Gospels and how you used him in a great way. And Father, you can use people who aren't necessarily called to be pastors or missionaries for full-time service. You can use them, Lord. May we be impressed upon that to allow ourselves to be used by you, to just surrender, to help wherever we can. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to turn the rest of the service over to the pastor.